Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. In mid-May, the BIC Atlantic Conference sponsored a day trip to Washington, D.C., Now, I hadn't been to Washington, D.C. for several years, and I was anxious to go, so I accepted the invitation. I wanted to go, and I also wanted to catch up with some of my pastors and staff friends across the conference. And we needed to pick ahead of time the the place in D.C. that we wanted to visit. So a friend of mine and myself, we chose the Museum of the Bible. And when I arrived at the Museum of the Bible, I entered that grand building because I was anxious to experience Scripture. I wanted to see and hear and maybe even touch the stories of the Bible. Well, I wanted to walk through Scripture. Along with my friends, we experienced both the Old and New Testaments of the story as we literally walked from room to room and listened and learned the stories of the Old Testament and New Testament from Genesis to Revelation. Spending that afternoon in the Museum of the Bible helped me understand Scripture in a fresh way. I gained new perspectives of the men and women of the Bible. As I stepped into their stories and tried to walk in their shoes as best as I could. Walking in someone else's shoes. Have you heard that expression before? This is a phrase that we might use when we understand what someone else has been through. We've been there too. Walking in someone else's shoes places ourselves in the position of someone else. We have empathy for them. We can relate to them. Their story might be our story too. Similar experiences enable us to walk in someone else's shoes. Think about some experiences in your life that maybe you've shared with someone else. I think about giving birth. Giving birth connects us to someone else. The pain of labor, but then the joy of holding that newborn in your arms connects us to a friend who's also had a baby. The experience of buying a new house, or in today's market, trying to buy a new house. If you know someone else who's put a bid on a house and their bid was denied and yours was too, There's frustration that you share with that other person. You've walked in their shoes. Their story is similar to yours. Maybe you have an annoying back pain that just won't go away. And a friend has the same back pain. Or you've had a surgery similar to somebody else. Your uncomfortableness, how you feel, is similar to someone else. If you've lost a family member, you feel the same distinct hole in your heart from losing that family member as a friend or a coworker has experienced. Or if you've recently put your mother or your father, if you've helped them move into a retirement facility, 
you're experiencing that same concern for your aging parents. And we walk in someone else's shoes if we're a young mom or a young dad and we're just trying to juggle family and work and house responsibilities and those feelings of exhaustion are similar to someone else. Walking in someone else's shoes connects us to that other person in a very personal way. Just for fun, let's see if you've walked in my shoes with any of these experiences. A few fun facts about me. I broke my jaw in three places when I was five. Anybody break your jaw? How about this one? Our family served Brother in Christ World Missions in Alicante, Spain in 2012. We were there to provide respite for some of our Brother in Christ World Missionary families. Steve and I and our kids played with the missionary children while mom and dad had a retreat. Maybe this is you. I made a midlife career change when I became a pastor in 2009. Any other midlife career changers in the group? Yeah, I see some hands. We have walked in each other's shoes. Now this last one, while I would never advise anyone to gamble, do not try this at home. When I was much younger, I was with my mom and my sisters. We were on vacation in New Jersey and we took the car one night and we drove up to Atlantic City. I had a $20 bill in my pocket. I took a risk, I put it in a 25 cent machine and the lights went off, ding, 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 I won $5,400. Maybe you would like to walk in my shoes with that last one, but no, don't do it. I'm not condoning gambling. That was a one time big win for me. But thinking about walking in someone else's shoes will help us wrap our minds around this third week of our summer message series. Pastor Doug introduced it two, three weeks ago on the book of Hebrews because Jesus walked in our shoes. Are you intrigued? I hope so. So lean in and let's go. Turn to Hebrews chapter two and you'll see that in our reading today, our theme is Jesus is greater than everything. That's going to be a recurrent theme in our messages. And the preacher of Hebrews describes for us today why Jesus is greater than everything. And here's our big idea. Don't forget it. Jesus is greater than everything because he became human. There was a portion of his life, well, all of his life here on earth, where he left the, the deity, the divinity of heaven, came and walked with us. Jesus is greater because he lived on earth as a man, and that means the world to us. Verse 9 of chapter 2. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels, and because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. This first verse, verse 9, reads just a bit like a ping pong match, back and forth. But look at it again. What we do see is Jesus, 
who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. This verse is describing the years where Jesus took that lowly position, coming to earth as a baby and then growing into a man among us. In those years, he walked and he taught and he loved and he preached. And at the end of his life, he fulfilled what he came to do. He suffered and he died. Because he was a man, he felt the pain of our sins. He suffered through that pain and he fulfilled what he came to do. He died. Because of that sacrifice, because of the pain on the cross, he tasted death for us. He tasted death for me. He tasted death for you. Let that word picture just sit on your tongue for a minute. The writer does not want us to gloss over and hurry through this verse because it means so much to us. Jesus did not need to suffer death for his own salvation. He didn't need to taste death to get him into heaven. But through his suffering and through his sacrifice, he completed the work necessary for our salvation. He placed himself in our shoes so we would not need to walk in his. And because of that, he is crowned with glory and honor. This is why Jesus is greater. This is why he is greater than everything, and he is all we need. And Hebrews chapter 2 has so much more to tell us. We're just getting started with this opening verse. Jesus is also greater because he is the perfect leader. There are a lot of people, past and present, who are worthy leaders, but none are perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. Verse 10, God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. This verse is telling us that God is for us. He wants us to choose life with him. There's only one way to God, and that's through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the perfect Leader, our salvation is secure if we choose Jesus because he bled and he died and he defeated death. He did what no other human could do. And that's the type of leader that I want to follow. How about you? Try something for me. Think about a leader or two that you know. 
Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a sports star. Maybe it's a political figure. Think about a leader that you know. Do you have a few people in your head? Now narrow that list of men or women down to leaders that you look up to. You might look up to them because they're generous or kind, they're compassionate, they're just really great people. Do you have somebody in your head? Good. I'm glad. There are good leaders in the world. But there's one problem. Fill in this blank for me. There's only one problem because they will never be perfect. Yes. It's impossible for them to be perfect. Only Jesus is the perfect leader. I remember when our son Taylor was just a tiny tot, he fell in love with Michael Jordan. Loved Michael Jordan. And Taylor was small right around the time where Michael Jordan led the Chicago Bulls through several NBA championships. Taylor wasn't just a little bit enamored with Michael, he was very enamored with Michael. He had posters of the Bulls and Michael Jordan in his bedroom. He had a Bulls locker room locker in his bedroom and put his prizes and his treasures in there. I was never allowed in the Bulls locker room locker. He watched the Bulls any chance that he had. Taylor loved basketball, still loves basketball, partly because of Michael Jordan and his incredible basketball skills. He tried to be like Mike when he played. And I'm sure our son was not the only or will ever be the only young man or young lady that looks up to stars like Michael Jordan. And certainly Michael Jordan was a gifted player on the court, but he wasn't perfect. We all know people who are good leaders, but they will always fall short. They will never be perfect. They simply can't be perfect. Only Jesus Christ is perfect. And he's the only perfect leader. A leader we can follow, a leader we can depend on, a leader that we can trust. Jesus is all we need because he's the perfect leader. And our passage tells us that he's also our brother. There's something incredibly personal and intimate when you call someone your brother. There's an indication of family there when you call someone your brother or your sister. Verse 11, so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, to call us brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. If we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we are members of his family. We are his brothers and sisters, and God is our family. I think God is our father. I think this is a great family to be a part of and belong to. The brethren in Christ have paid attention 
to this indication of brotherhood in scripture. The early brethren in Christ had family in mind because they took their names seriously. They believed that they were a brotherhood in Christ and they practiced this faithfully. And they practiced it by meeting in homes for the first 100 years or so of our brethren in Christ history. And we've carried that desire for brotherhood with us. As we've indicated, one of our 10 core values is belonging to a community of faith. Belonging to a community of faith says that we value integrity in relationships and mutual accountability in an atmosphere of grace and love and acceptance. And today, our Brother in Christ website also reminds us that as a diverse family, we believe it's important to wrestle with the Bible together. Like all families, we interpret the world through a particular lens. For us, that lens is the person, teaching, and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus calls us family. We are his brothers and sisters, and we can claim all the rights and privileges that come with that title. Well, here's what we know so far. Jesus is greater because he's the perfect leader. He's our brother, and he is relatable. Verse 14 describes how Jesus is relatable to us and why his humanity is so important for us. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. There is so much power in this verse and so much for us to understand. We cannot forget why Jesus came to earth as a man. He came to reconcile and redeem a sin-filled world. Jesus, flesh and bones and blood could only suffer if he was a man like us able to feel what you and I feel. And he suffered in order to conquer and break the power of death. This verse tells us too that Jesus walked in our shoes. He experienced the highs and lows of humanity. He felt then what we feel Now, this means he is fully able to empathize with everything that you and I experience. Jesus' humanity means so much to us, and it means so much because it makes us relatable to him. A quick study of the four Gospels describes Jesus' humanity. He was hungry. He got angry, he got tired, he cried, he comforted others. This is not an exhaustive list. 
This is a sampling of the ways that Jesus can relate to us, ways that he walked in our shoes, ways that he was a man. He felt what we feel. Which of these resonate with how you're feeling today? Our family recently went to the Outer Banks. And one thing I love to do in the Outer Banks or at any beach is just sit back in my beach chair with a good book and an iced tea beside me. And as we're sitting there watching people and watching the surf, I noticed way out here off to my left was two kayakers. And I could see they were a man and a woman. I knew they were connected because they were kayaking together. And the surf was particularly rough that day. And as I'm watching them, a wave comes right over them. The gentleman was able to navigate the wave well. The woman, not so lucky. She had a capsized experience and she tumbled out of her kayak. I watched her for several minutes as she struggled to try and get back into her kayak, all to no avail. Finally, after a few minutes, she just wrapped her arms over the side of the kayak and she left the surf, left the waves, just come over her, but gently push her back in toward the beach. And right when she arrived at the beach, maybe uh, 20, 30 feet in front of me, she still had the kayak tethered to her arm and a huge wave just rips her. And she goes down again with the kayak pulling her this way and the wave pushing her this way. I looked at her in that moment and I thought about a similar experience that I had years ago in the Outer Banks where a wave totally ripped me and I had sand in my ears and my nose. I had it in every crevice of my swimming suit all afternoon. I could feel how she felt. I jumped up, ran down to her, put my hand around her arm, righted her kayak, and said, ma'am, are you okay? Maybe it's because I could relate to her. Maybe it's because I had been in her shoes. But I knew how she felt. She was fine, more than a little bit scared, and a lot embarrassed. But those, those are the experiences, the emotions that Jesus felt. That's how he can relate to us because he was human. He understands us. Hebrews says he's been there. Hebrews 2 says that Jesus is the perfect leader. He's our brother. He's relatable. And he's our high priest. Let's look at this next chunk of verses, and some of it will serve like a review for us. We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. That's us. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. The book of Hebrews is the only place in the New Testament where Jesus is referred to as a high priest. And that's not by accident. The readers of Hebrews would resonate with this title because of their religious background. 
Having a high priest was very important to them. You see, in Old Testament times, it was the role of the high priest to offer sacrifices on behalf of the sins of the people. The high priest was that go-between between the people and God. But then came Jesus. Hooray! Jesus stepped into that sweet place as our high priest. His death and resurrection ushered in something new. His sacrifice accomplished forgiveness once and for all. Christ perfectly and completely performed the duties of the high priest. He is our high priest. He is our advocate to God. Jesus did what no other human could do. He gave us a connection to God. Our verses today are deep, but they are beautiful verses because they lean into the richness of the humanity of Jesus and all that that means to us. I love these verses. And I love that Jesus Christ came for us, lived for us, died for us, and one day he will come back for us. And I love that he walked in our shoes and he feels what we feel. But there's one question that we need to flesh out before we're done for today. Why does Jesus' humanity mean so much to me? I processed this question out loud with some friends and family, and here's what they said. Jesus' humanity matters so much to me because he stepped into my world. It makes him more relatable because he did amazing things just as a human. His humanity matters so much because he understands me. He's been where I am and he can sympathize and identify with me. Why does Jesus' humanity mean so much to me? Why does it matter so much to you? Our last verse gives us the why behind the what. Verse 18. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, Jesus is able to help us when we are being tested. The writer, the preacher of Hebrews, uses the word help here. And it's a different definition than the word help in our English dictionary. The word help here indicates a comforting. It indicates a rescuing. It's like when a parent comforts and helps a child when they've had a rough time. providing exactly what that child needs. Jesus helps us when we're being tested. Friends, Jesus is fully divine. And he was fully man when he was here. Anger, pain, fatigue. He knows how we're feeling because he's also been in that place. It's personal. And Jesus does more than just help us when we're being tested. So how are you feeling today? 
Where are you being tested? It's in that place that Jesus understands. It's in that place that he steps in and he offers help. As we wrap up our time, I invite you to reflect on the sermon action point in your bulletin. Think about this for just a couple moments before the worship team comes and as they start to play. Indicate what it means to you that Jesus was human. What it means to you that he stepped into your shoes. Let's pray together. Father God, your incredible plan to send Jesus Christ to be our Savior still humbles and baffles me. That you could love us that much. Oh God, thank you. And I pray that we would learn to come to you first when we're sad or tired or angry. That we would turn to you for help knowing that you get it. You understand how we're feeling. Thank you for providing help for us in our time of need. Maybe it's help in the form of scriptures or songs. Maybe your help comes through the prayers of friends and family. And maybe, God, your help comes in the form of a miracle or a promise that we discover when we read the Bible. Thank you for walking with us. And thank you for walking in our shoes. In your precious son's name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org. Thank you.